It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. Coming to you a little bit later than normal on a Friday, but... Pleased to be welcoming in a great guest on the podcast today, Matt Merchel from the Orlando Sentinel. He will give you the lowdown on what to expect from tomorrow's USF versus BYU game in Tampa, Florida. Does a great job covering the Bulls as well as college football on a national level. So you'll hear from him on today's show. We'll run down some of the numbers and news and notes when it comes to this game against USF that you need to know going into this game. And of course, catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports news like we normally do here on this daily podcast all focused on the Cougars. Today's show brought to you by our title sponsor, Deseret First Credit Union, as well as our good friends at Vivid Seats. We'll tell you about both of those companies as today's show rolls on. So let's get to it. This is Locked on Cougars for October 11th, 2019. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. And thanks again for taking the time to download this podcast on a Friday. Hopefully, you guys all had a great week and are ready for BYU football to re-enter your lives. Feels like a long time ago since that Toledo game, and maybe not so long ago for other people. I feel like it's been a long time since BYU's played a game. I think that they've got a different mentality this week. I think they're, they've grown up, they've wised up, and hopefully they've kind of figured things out. Eric Mateos, BYU's offensive line coach, spoke with me earlier this week on Locked On Cougars, and he minced no words when talking about his position group in particular. Uh, coming off that game against USC where they had a good showing, he felt like they got a little too big for their britches. Well, you know what? I'm going to let you hear the clip. So here you go. Eric Mateos, if you missed this earlier in the week, this is what he had to say about his offensive line. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of moments in this first part of the season where we listen to too many people talking about how good we were. And, you know, that's, that's, that's poison. And I think we heard too many of those, too much of that noise, especially in the offseason. I kept trying to tell people, stop giving us the crown. Tamp but down the expectations. But, uh, well, not just that, because yeah. no one's expectations are higher than ours. Yeah. But when you're a 20-year-old guy and somebody tells you how awesome you are, eventually you're going to start believing it. And so I think we performed really uh, really well versus Southern California, and I think we got a little bit too big for our britches in, on the O-line. So hopefully we get back to you know kind of gritting our teeth and make sure no one knows who we are. Got a little too big for our britches. We got uh, punched. He wants to punch them in the teeth, wants to get his guys back focused. And I think that loss to Toledo should wake BYU football up. This is a big opportunity opportunity tomorrow as they face off against South Florida in Tampa. It's at Raymond James Stadium, the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well as the USF Bulls. 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff on CBS Sports Network. Well, I think that uh, that Toledo loss, like I just mentioned, it should serve as a as a warning to BYU that they're not as good as they probably thought they were coming off that win against USC and also Tennessee. They're not a bad team, I don't think. They're not an awful team, but they also, I think, realize now that guess what? You can still lose very winnable games because you're not 
at an elite level right now as a program. And I think that Eric Mateo sees it. I think the rest of the BYU coaching staff sees it. And if the players don't see it, well, guess what? They're in for a world of hurt because a team like USF has got plenty of speed and the ability to beat you, similar to what Toledo did. Maybe not as talented of a program are the Bulls as the Rockets were when BYU squared off against them two weeks ago. But this is a team that's got plenty of Florida speed on it, and they are looking to notch another pelt and get pick up a big win. They're 2-3 and three on the season. They want to even their record at 3-3. Three and three. BYU 2-3 and three looking to even their record as well. It's a big opportunity for both teams. Some stats I want to run down for you guys in this game. Uh, USF, their offensive line is giving up sacks at an alarming rate. They have given up 24 sacks through three games. And if you want to do the math at home, that is just a shade under five sacks per game. SMU, who's nationally ranked and undefeated on the season, tallied 10 in one game against USF. BYU is averaging, we've already talked about this on the podcast, a paltry one sack per game. They've had five sacks through five games. Something's got to give here. Can BYU's pass rush finally get to the quarterback at a consistent clip? Get after Jordan McLeod, the redshirt freshman quarterback there at USF, and and bring him down. We'll see. It's a big opportunity for BYU's defensive line to show off what they can do and hopefully have a better showing than they have had through the first few weeks. One other note is that USF is allowing 189 rushing yards, which is currently tight. Sorry, it's currently 103rd worst in the country. BYU as a team is rushing for an average of 100. 102 yards per game, which is 121st in the country. Who's going to win that battle? Well, you better hope BYU does because Dustin Smith, uh, he's the co-founder of Quarterback Elite. Some of you may have heard about it. They train quarterbacks here along the Wasatch Front. Jaron Hall, who will make his first start in a BYU uniform, has been working with uh, the guys at Quarterback Elite, speaking of Dustin Smith, Ty Detmer, etc., for years. And Dustin joined DJ and PK, the show I work on for the Zone Sports Network earlier this week, and was very enlightening about a statistic that I had not noted. He said BYU, so games starting from the end starting from last year, so the 2018 season and through the 2019 season to this point, there are 18 games, he said, and BYU is nine and nine in those games. But then it comes out even even more interesting that BYU you when they have won games in that run they are seven and two when they rush for a hundred and when they rush for a hundred yards when they don't rush for a hundred yards they're winless there you go BYU has to run the ball at a good clip he said that actually the funny thing is in the wins for BYU they average almost 200 yards rushing when they've lost it's been somewhere around 80 yards so it's feast or famine for BYU's rushing game this should be an opportunity for BYU to feast offensively and they didn't have a bad offensive outing against Toledo let's be real about that let's be very clear they put up almost 500 yards of offense scoring is where it's going to really depend on BYU going out and punching the ball into the end zone and getting field goals if they're unable to get into the end zone, but you want to see them score touchdowns. BYU's inability to convert drives into points absolutely killed them in that loss to Toledo, so they've got to clean that up. So there you go. Some of the news and notes, some of the statistics to keep an eye on going into this game. We'll get some more insight from a guy who was on the ground there in Florida, covers USF much closer than I do, and that is Matt Merchel from the Orlando Sentinel here in just a moment. A guy 
guy who really understands, okay, what is USF going to bring to the table as they try and even their record this week? Are they downtrodden? What are they kind of looking like coming off a win over UMass a week ago? Well, oh, sorry, not UMass, UConn a week ago. We'll talk with him here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, reminding you that Vivid Seats wants to help you make a memory that will last you a lifetime. Let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter the promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Pleased to be joined now by Matt Merchel here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Matt, of course, covers college football nationally for the Orlando Sentinel, but he's a guy who's very tuned into football down there in the central and southern Florida area. A lot to talk about when it comes to the South Florida Bulls. Matt, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing today? Oh, doing all right. Appreciate taking some time to join us here. Let's start off with this. BYU comes into this game two and three, same record as USF. A lot of people made a made a bunch of noise about BYU going two and two against their first four opponents, those four power five teams they faced. USF in their own right has had their own storylines with Charlie Strong seemingly being on the hot seat alongside Kalani Satake. Where do you uh, kind of fall in terms of what storylines you're paying attention to going into this game? Well, I just look at these two teams, and they're kind of mirror images of each other right now. You know, basically what's going on. You know, you've seen teams kind of that struggled at times in, in, in games, struggled offensively, had some issues at quarterback. Uh, obviously, with BYU, it's more of, a, of, a, of an injury issue. But, I, again, you're going to see two different quarterbacks coming in here that we saw at the start of the season. Um, you know, and, and so to me, when I look at this, this game, it's, it's more of a game of, of where do these teams go from here. You know, I think there were a lot – expectations were a lot higher for both these programs. Um, and, and they just had some struggles. You know, I mean, BYU has struggled running the football. You know, uh, USF has struggled winning the football. Uh, you know, the offenses have struggled. Um, and they've had, and they've faced some big challenges as well. You know, USF obviously losing, uh, you know, three out of the, of its first four games to Wisconsin and Georgia Tech. And, you know, this is, this I think to me is a big game for both these two programs. I think it's, it's a game that can really kind of, you know, make or break the second half of the season. You know, whoever comes out on top of this, I think can go forward maybe feeling a little bit better how things are going. Um, the loser, again, is, is probably faced with more questions and, and wondering where you go from here. Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think I can argue with anything there. Uh, what's kind of the perception of this game for, from the USF perspective down there? I know you're down there in Florida. How are USF fans approaching this game and having BYU come to Raymond James? Well, I think they're obviously the, the team's coming off a, you know, a win over UConn last week on the road. Um, I, you know, I think there's a little apprehension, you know, when you, when you look around. I mean, because I think they feel like, okay, we, we look like we bounced back a little bit offensively. Uh, they made a change at quarterback, uh, you know, and, and it's just this idea of, you know, where, where do we go from here? You know, I mean, can we continue that kind of trend? Can we continue to, to play at that elite level? Uh, or are we going to kind of fall back on some of the things that we've been doing in the past? I, I think that's something that, you know, when you look at this program right now, I, I mean, I, I think – you know, like you mentioned, Charlie Strong has been on the hot seat a little bit. 
Uh, some people feel like maybe he's not the, 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 the way the league's program to the next level. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, they need to swim because they, got, they need to continue to feel like they're making those strides. Um, and, you know, like I said, they're a banged-up team. They've, been, they've been, uh, you know, had some issues there. But it'll be interesting to see moving forward with that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Jordan McLeod. Of course, he's the quarterback now for South Florida. It sounds like Blake Barnett's been dealing with a high ankle sprain and he's been ruled out for this game. What kind of quarterback is Jordan McLeod and what can BYU fans expect to see from him? Well, you know, he's, he's a talented quarterback, a guy who can not only throw the football but have some running ability, you know, something they've been able to take advantage of in, in the games that he's played in. I think that's been important for them. You know, and he does – he is a freshman, so he has made some mistakes. He's got four interceptions on the, um, you know, in, in the season. But a guy that definitely, I think, is, is kind of taking advantage of his opportunities here as well. So uh, I think they they like what he's doing so far. They felt like early on, you know, Blake struggled a little bit and, and really wasn't able to kind of. Uh, get things moving when it came to the offense. Uh, I don't necessarily blame it all on Blake because, you know, again, like I mentioned, you're facing a Wisconsin team that has one of the best defenses in the country. Um, but, you know, struggles against Georgia Tech and, and an SMU team that's, you know, ranked now, mm-hmm. um, they didn't look good. So I, I think you're seeing Jordan stepping in there now and being able to, to run this offense. It's, it's going to be crucial for them because they rank 111th in total offense in the country, which isn't where they expected to be, not with Kerwin Bell, their new offensive coordinator coming in, a guy who. You know, was supposed to came from Valdosta State, where that program was averaging over 50 points a game. To be able to not even come close to that is has got to be a big disappointment. Yeah, just looking at the kind of their statistics for USF, they've given up 24 sacks this season. That's a crazy high number for five games. Yeah, and and then that's got to be you know some of that is the problem with what's going on right now. I mean, when you look at this this team, I mean, you can't give up those kind of issues. You can't give up sacks. I mean, that's something that definitely uh, you know puts the quarterback you know basically in a bad situation and, and something that they they're not used to really kind of having. They felt like their offensive line was going to be a little bit better this year. They struggled a little bit last year, but they felt like they had enough returning talent coming in. Things would be well. It, it hasn't worked out that way, and I think that's something that definitely has been kind of a concern is that offensive line. How do they keep everyone, uh, you know, kind of upright and moving forward? And this is, but this is a team, too, that as much as they've struggled on offense, you look at some of the defensive stuff they've done, they're really good. You look at the turnover margin. You know, they, mm-hmm. they lead the, the American in turnovers game. You know, they, they lead the American in turnover margin. So this is a team that's starting to kind of take advantage of some of that. They just have to, to do a better job of it as they go moving forward. We've seen Jordan Cronkite coming along here. He had his biggest game of the season, obviously, in that win over UMass. Uh, what can BYU fans expect to see from him in terms of a running back? Is he more of a shifty guy, power guy? What's he like? You know, he's kind of a, of a power guy, a guy who can really kind of you know run the ball straight forward. Uh, you know, has a guy who's been able to take advantage of his size. Um, again, I think with Jordan being you know added to at the quarterback position, I think it's helped him out. It's helped Jordan out a little bit. Jordan Cronkite out a little bit better because you have someone else who can also run the football a little bit. And Jordan Cronkite is going to kind of take on the load of, of the running game because Johnny Ford, who was a guy who everyone thought coming yeah. into the season, a uh, talented sophomore running back, was going to be take on a bigger role. He was going to kind of fit more into that kind of a uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a hybrid type role. He was going to be using it as a backfield. He was going to be used as a wide receiver. Um, but Johnny was been hurt and missed a bunch of time. So George really kind of take on that role a lot when it came to the running game. And I think lately, especially, he, he's been able to take advantage of that um, as the offense looked good. We saw it obviously, you know, last weekend against Connecticut. He rushed for over 148 yards. Um, that's the, a season high so far right now. 
Mitchell Wilcox, a leading receiver for this team right now. He's a tight end, 178 yards. I know BYU fans are very familiar with tight ends leading them and receiving the last couple of years with Matt Bushman doing so. Pretty good tight end down there at least. Yeah, very much so. Mitchell's a guy who, you know, before the season, you know, everyone kind of knew this guy was, you know, he wanted to, to kind of elevate his game. He's a 6'5", 245-pound uh, tight end, a very big target, you know, for whoever plays quarterback for them. And I knew in the offseason I, I spoke with him and he said, you know, he went and kind of tried to elevate his game. He went to some camps. He tried to learn, you know, how to be a better target, how to be a better tight end. Some of that's in blocking. Some of that's obviously in receiving. Um, and as you can see that this year, he's, able, he's, you know, he's the leading receiver for the team. He's been a, a, a big weapon for them. I would think they would love to get some of the other wide receivers out there um, you know, and get some of the other guys out there playing well as well. But again, I think as the offense continues to grow a little bit over the next couple of weeks, I think you might see some of that change a little bit. You mentioned the, the defensive side of the ball for South Florida. They're, they're actually, their statistics hold up pretty well here. And that's considering you already mentioned the Wisconsin loss where they got shut out, et cetera. What's gone into that? Has it been just kind of Charlie Strong's mentality? Because he's been a very strong defensive coach in his coaching career. Or does it go more to just to the talent and the ability of these guys on the, on the roster? Well, I think some of that's Charlie. You know, Charlie obviously has a, has a big presence there. Uh, you know, he wants to make sure the defense. When you're a defensive-minded guy and you're the head coach, you want to make sure your guys step up and are able to do do things they can do. And, and I think some of that's been what, what's happened. I also feel like too, you know, early on, especially, you know, they, they worked really hard at trying to get, as I mentioned, some of those turnovers. The takeaways and the negative plays were very big for them. You saw that uh, in, in some of their games. You know, they were able to get some of those turnovers. Uh, but the one thing that that has stepped up is, you know, their, their uh, secondaries played really well. The front line has been able to put on a little bit of pressure as well. Um, all those things are what they want to do. They want to establish the pressure. They want to establish the idea that it could be disruptive, force the offense maybe to get out of their comfort zone, and then maybe make some bad plays here and there. When you do those kind of bad plays, I think that kind of ends up turning into good results. And that's something I think Charlie would like to see this, this team do a better job of. They've done it at times, but then, of course, at other times they've shot themselves in the foot. You know, they, they've turned the ball over the themselves uh, too many times. Um, so I think it's something that he's definitely working for, and they want to get this defense to continue to play at a much better level. This, this defense still isn't playing anywhere near, I think, what he'd like to see them play. You're a guy who covers college football nationally. I've talked to you in the past about BYU. Where do you see this game kind of tipping? Where do, Is there one facet of this game you think it could, could tip it one way or the other? Well, I, you know, I think for both these, I mean, I think when I look at this team, I think it's, it's really going to have to come down to, as we talked a little bit about protecting the quarterback, I think it's going to have to come down to kind of establishing the running game a little bit. I know both these two teams have struggled doing that. I think that's going to help out a little bit. Um, you know, again, if you can establish the ground game, if you can kind of take a little bit of pressure off the quarterbacks, both these guys are, are you know, young quarterbacks that, you know, don't necessarily, uh, you know, haven't had the experience and, you know, you don't want to put them in a situation where they're going to have to kind of win the game on their shoulders at every stretch. You want to kind of make them kind of get comfortable in the offense and get things moving. I think on the defensive side of things, again, you know, you're going to have to find ways to, to create negative plays. You're going to have to find ways to get in the backfield, to be disruptive, to stop that running game, to make them, you know, on third downs really become a, a key issue there. You know, if you can get them to punt the ball on third down and not convert, um, I think it's going to be huge for them. And, again, for BYU, you know, I'm, I'm sure coming off the loss to Toledo, that wasn't ideal for, for this program. Um, obviously, another road game, you know, against South Florida. Um, you, you want to kind of come and maybe get a, a big win going into there, especially when you're going to face, you know, Boise State in the, in the coming week. That's a big game for them as well. So I think you'd like to get a little more momentum from this game. But I think early on you have to kind of help your, your quarterback, uh, quarterback out. 
Well, Matt, can't thank you enough for looking forward to this game tomorrow. We'll catch up with you soon, hopefully down the road here, and talk some more football at some point, all right? That sounds great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. There you go. Matt Merchell from the Orlando Sentinel does a great job covering college football, has his own podcast. I would encourage you guys to check out College Football Gridiron 365, I believe is the name of the podcast. Check it out. Does a great job covering football from top to bottom nationally. And thank him once again for taking the time to join us here on Locked on Cougars. You can follow him at OS Matt Merchell, M-A-T-T-M-U-R. S-C-H-E-L. Thank him for coming on the podcast. You, you always know that when guys see tweets about this, they're very thankful for people uh, reaching out and thanking them for taking the time. So I would encourage you guys to follow him and also let him know. We'll pass along. Thank you for joining us on the podcast and check out his podcast as well. All right. I uh, we need to get you caught up on everything else going on in BYU sports news here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, do need to take a minute and talk to you today about our title sponsor on the podcast, and that is Des. Deseret First Credit Union. Deseret First Credit Union shares a faith-based bond with all of its members, but they're also celebrating the unique goals and passions of their individual members. They're asking, what is your focus right now? What is your why? Whatever it might be, have you thought about refinancing your home to save some money and help fund your passion project? Whether you're a guy who wants to work out, have extra money for gym time, you're a woodworker, you have, want to spend money on sports trips, whatever it is, they can help you save the money to go out and do whatever your passion is. Refinancing doesn't have to be hard or even cost you anything. The DFC mortgage team has helped you guys out. Rates are still crazy low, so now is a great time to consider refinancing your mortgage and keeping more money in your pocket. The DFCU mortgage team will work with you to find the right loan for your financial situation. Whether it's your first home, you're a young couple just starting out wanting to get into a home you've got investment properties regardless of where you're at whatever stage of life the dfcu mortgage team is here to help you guys get into the right loan and the right financial situation for you give them a call talk to them about it 801-456-7070 let them know that jay catch and locked on cougars sent you once again 801-456-7070 or visit dfcu.com to apply in just five minutes or less deseret first credit union you know why we show how membership and eligibility required oac terms and conditions apply equal housing lender it's kubota orange day shop the year's best selection of kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the usa and now through june 30 get zero percent apr for 84 months or up to 3300 off select compact tractors See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, catching you up on everything else going on in BYU sports this weekend. Let's start off at the Smith Fieldhouse last night. Uh, number nine ranked BYU women's volleyball swept San Francisco in the first match of the week. Three sets to none, 25-11, 25-14, 25-23 last night. Big win once again for the women's volleyball team. They are 15-2 and on the year, 6-0 and in West Coast Conference play. And they remain undefeated all-time against the Dons, 19-0 and all-time. BYU's back in action tomorrow when 
when they host Santa Clara at the Smith Fieldhouse, October 12th, 1 o'clock Mountain Time. You can check that out. Get out to the Smith Fieldhouse. It's a great environment to take in a sporting event if you haven't been out there. If you know what, if you have been there, you know what I'm talking about. Let's go to the men's golf side of things. BYU men's golfer Peter Quest has been named the West Coast Conference Golfer of the Month for the month of September. That came out yesterday. He won the William H. Tucker Invitational in September by nine strokes after firing a combined 200 total score, 16 under, the lowest score ever in the tournament's 65-year history. He also showed a tournament low 63, minus nine on the day in the first round of that tournament and carded a total of 18 birdies and two eagles at the event. He went on to tie for first place at the Nick Watney Invitational a couple days after that win of the William H. Tucker in his hometown of Fresno, California. So just an awesome showing. It is his fourth Golfer of the Month award for his career. He's a guy that I'm expecting to see on the PGA Tour in the near future. He's playing a senior season this year for BYU Men's Golf. They're off to a solid start this year and a well-deserved honor for Peter Quest with that WCC Golfer of the Month award. Congratulations to him. A couple other notes for you guys. Today, fresh as the day's headlines, literally minutes ago I just saw this, that the Salt Lake City Stars, they are the G League affiliate of the Utah Jazz in the NBA, have acquired the returning player rights to former BYU basketball star Kyle Collinsworth meaning if Kyle Collinsworth is going to suit up in the G League this year, he will do so in the Salt Lake Valley, playing mainly at the Salt Lake Community College campus over there in Taylorsville. There's also select games that the Stars come and play at Vivint Smart Home Arena, which is where I am based for my day job. So congratulations to Kyle Collinsworth coming back home to the Wasatch Front to play basketball this upcoming season, barring him signing with another team overseas, etc. All right, let's run down everything else you need to know about BYU sports this weekend if you want to support the Cougars. Uh, this weekend, women's softball is in action. Have two games tomorrow at Gale Miller Field. They'll start off at 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time as they host Salt Lake Community College before hosting Utah State on Saturday afternoon. So 11.30 a.m. for the Salt Lake Community College game, 2.30 Mountain Time against Utah State there at Gale Miller tickets, I believe, are free. I think it's free entry during the fall season for women's softball, so you can go watch that for free. Mentioned women's volleyball already taking on Santa Clara. There'll be a live stream of that on the WCC network. Uh, BYU men's football, of course, facing off against the South Florida Bulls. CBS Sports Network starting at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Check that out, guys. Should be a fun game tomorrow. And then women's uh, soccer is in action later on tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, as they host Pacific at Southfield. It will be tele- Televised live on BYU TV, and of course, there will be uh, radio feeds from the BYU Sports Network as well. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast. Can't thank Matt Merchell enough for joining us once again here on the show, getting his thoughts on South Florida in this game against BYU tomorrow. My prediction for this game I think BYU wins this one fairly comfortably. I think it's a 10 point difference between BYU and South Florida. I think it's a big opportunity for BYU to write a lot of what they got wrong against Toledo. So I think BYU rolls in this game. I'm saying something like a 31 to 20 margin for BYU. I think it's a double digit margin for the Cougars going into this game. Let me know what you guys think. Send us your predictions. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. And of course, if you'd like to weigh in via email, please drop us a note at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Enjoy whatever's left of your Friday, or if you're listening to this on a Saturday, get 
getting ready for the game. Let's go Cougars. We'll see what happens in today's game against South Florida. That's for you guys listening on Saturday. And if tomorrow, enjoy the game regardless. We'll be back with a post-game recap of the show on on the Saturday afternoon for you guys. We'll get something up shortly after the game, get you my thoughts on whatever happens. And, of course, we'll be back next week with full coverage of everything else going on in BYU Sports News. Thanks again for joining us today, brought to you by Deseret First Credit Union and Vivid Seats. We'll catch you guys soon. This has been Locked on Cougars for October 11, 2019. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day